Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. And though it is happening really purely by chance in this week's edition of Chicago's Legal Latte, we're going to continue with our recent discussions dealing with family law issues. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell. And, of course, we try to cover a wide range of legal topics in the series from week to week. But it just so happens that uh, right now we're taking advantage of the availability of some very talented family law attorneys. In the last few weeks, we have uh, focused our attention there, and today is no exception. My guest today is Attorney Emil Elkas. Emil manages the family law practice at Lavelle Law Limited, where he was recently made partner, so certainly congratulations are in order there. Uh, Emil and I are going to get into some detail today as we discuss how retirement accounts are divided in a divorce settlement. There is some complexity to uh, deal with, so I think we're very fortunate to have someone uh, with his capabilities here. So first of all, Emil, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me again. So in in past visits, we have discussed some of the parameters of dividing personal assets and property in a divorce. Uh, Today, we get a bit more granular and look at other types of assets. Uh, Since we have dedicated the next 15 minutes to the topic, I assume that uh, money set aside in various accounts for retirements does, in fact, become fair game for a divorce proceeding. Is that correct? That is correct. So any asset, whether it's a bank account, for example, a money market account, a CD, a retirement account, a 401k plan, an IRA. Those are typically all marital assets. So even though any of those financial accounts may be named under one party only, for example, if the husband's name is only the name that's on an account or a 401k plan through his employer, uh, those funds, those proceeds that come out of that are all marital. And in a divorce proceeding, those assets do get split up. So both parties are entitled to a portion of those assets, regardless of how those were funded, whose name is on the account, et cetera. Interesting. Okay. Now, I know one of the areas we're going to take a look at today uh, would be uh, defined and non-defined contribution plans. Um, We want to talk about uh, how those are uh, distributed, but before we do that, let's first start with a quick definition of what the two are, what the differences are between defined and non-defined. So a defined contribution plan is a certain amount that the person has already basically earned. So like a 401k plan, for example, that's a defined contribution plan or an IRA. Um, An undefined would be something more like a pension where uh, there's a formula set forth, but you know, today's present value isn't necessarily what you would get when you retired in 10 years. Whereas, for example, a 401k plan, that balance is pretty much the present-day value of that account. So that's Basically, I mean, you know, there's more in-depth differences between the two, but, uh, you know, on its face, that's basically what the two uh, differences are between an undefined and a defined contribution plan. And so the court would treat them the same or differently than in a divorce? Correct. No, no, they're treated exactly the same way. Okay. And you mentioned pensions. When you when we first did the introduction here, you mentioned IRAs, 401Ks, et cetera. So I, I want to make sure that we understand pensions are also something that would be included as, as part of a divorce. Absolutely, correct. Okay. Now, um, 
as we kind of take a look at this and, and start to kind of walk through how uh, how these things are distributed, um, we want to make sure that um, you know we understand what's what's covered and, and some of the other key factors in there. So um, basically, as we talk about different types of retirement funds, everything is captured at a current moment snapshot. Is that correct in terms of the, the uh, valuation? And then, as you mentioned, over time, those things may change? That's correct. So when we're negotiating a settlement agreement, um, we're looking at current values. However, the allocation of that account, for example, let's say we're looking at a 401k plan of John Doe. So when we're negotiating a settlement of the parties, we're, you know, we're dealing with whatever the present value is. But when they get divorced, um, so let's say we're, you know, we're discussing settlement in February, but you know, the parties don't get divorced until March 31st. So we've got a whole month of, uh, you know, between the day we settle the case, theoretically, and the day they actually get divorced. So what a plan administrator of the 401k plan, when he is receiving this order that tells him what to do with it, they're going to take the value of that account on the day of the divorce. So even though they were negotiating something in, in uh, February, and the market did tremendously in 30 days, and now it's doubled in size, the other party would get, let's say, 50% of whatever the value is on the time they get divorced. So any, any increases or any decreases of value, that's part of the game. So mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times we, you try to get a settlement agreement signed, and then theoretically you want the, these parties to get divorced because there is a risk that this uh, account could go up or go down. Now, you, you mentioned there, and I think just as an example, you threw out the term you know, 50% as, as you were talking about how that might be divided. And in a recent podcast with, with one of your colleagues, um, we talked about formulas that are used to determine things like child support in a divorce. There seemed to be a sort of a fixed number that the courts would apply, whether there's one child or two or three. Um, does the court use a standard formula for the division of retirement accounts as well, or as you mentioned, is that just purely negotiated as part of the process? It's purely negotiated. A lot of times you'll see um, this 50% number thrown out there. Uh, you know, a lot of times the 401k plans are commonly are usually 50-50 because that's not really a liquid asset. You know, you can convert those funds into cash, uh, but there's certain, you know, taxable events that occur as a result of maybe some penalties. So something like this, it's really intended for that other party to have, excuse me, uh, significant funds for when they retire. So typically those are negotiated on a 50-50 basis. A lot of times you'll see a disproportionate share, um, you know, in things sort of like regular financial accounts. So maybe a party will get a little bit more than 50% of like a, a true bank account rather than a 401k plan or a pension. Now, demographically, we see people marrying later in life in this generation, um, so I'm sure it's very likely that uh, some of these retirement accounts were started prior to the marriage. Would an account like that be protected in, in any way, or once people are married, everything becomes joint property? No, so there's a cutoff. So uh, anything that's prior to marriage, that could be deemed non-marital. So if a person has, and I keep going to a 401k plan, let's say a person started working with company XYZ 
and has worked there for 10 years and has a 401k plan now worth $20,000. Gets married to his wife, and 10 years later they get divorced. Now the value combined is about $60,000. A lot of times you'll see divorce settlements where they'll take $20,000, the premarital value, off the top and then divide the rest of it. Um, it, it, but it all depends on, you know, part of the negotiations. A lot of times, um, it's commonly done that way, where they'll segregate the premarital portion from the overall balance and give that to that one party in his column. Uh, but there are times where people will say, "Look, this is commingled. You know, you never really separated it. You've, you know, how it's sometimes it could be difficult to ascertain." You know, has the increase in value occurred because of the initial premarital amount, or was this somehow increase in value because now it's all combined and merged into one? Uh, but commonly, a person won't get their premarital share, um, and that'll put they'll be put on their side of the ledger, so to speak. So mm-hmm. you, you know, they're safe um, in that respect that they'll coming into the marriage, you'll get what you had, and then anything post marriage that does get divided between the parties. Uh, we're, we're talking with Emil Elkas, who manages the family law practice group at Lavelle Law Limited, and we're discussing the division of retirement accounts in a divorce. And I certainly want to add that uh, Emil was also recently named as a rising star in, in family law by Super Lawyers Magazine, a, a very uh, restrictive uh, acknowledgement of attorneys here in Illinois, so uh, a very uh, significant uh, achievement there. Now, uh, Emil, once a judgment is given in a divorce case, we're talking about retirement accounts, which you know people don't actually get their hands on for some time. How does the spouse receiving the funds get access to them? Does the account just move to their name, or is there a disbursement of funds? Um, no, there's a special order that uh, needs to be prepared. It's called a Qualified Domestic Relations Order, or Quadro for short. So it's basically a document that's that follows procedures under the federal statute that will divide these retirement accounts. So, for example, if the wife was awarded 50% of her husband's 401k plan, that necessitates this quadro to be prepared and then submitted to the plan administrator, the, the, uh, the agency or the entity that handles that fund. They'll receive the order and with that order, it'll say what percentage or maybe it's a fixed dollar amount that this person's getting, and they have to segregate that portion or that amount from the participant's 401k plan, and then that's transferred into the other parties uh, as an IRA. So, you know, it wouldn't be a true 401k. At that, the, the person who owns a 401k, that'll remain as a 401k plan for him, but mm-hmm. the wife that's getting... 50% of that will get that in the form of a, a individual retirement account, so an IRA. Now, I know that with most retirement accounts, um, if you take money out uh, ahead of the schedule, there can be uh, penalties and, of course, taxes due. Uh, does that fall under uh, the Qualified Domestic Relations Order? I mean, is this transfer considered something taxable then, or is it still tax-free? No, that would be a tax-free transaction because it's incident to a divorce. So if the party, if the wife was awarded 50% of her 401k plan, uh, she'll get the true 50% of it. Um, I mean, the only time she'll be hit with a penalty or, or, or tax liability would be if she actually takes those funds out and uses it for another purpose. But if she takes that amount that she's getting from the 401k plan and, let's say, rolls it over into her own 
uh, IRA through Fidelity, for example. Um, that's all done tax-free. So she would not be hit with any sort of liability from the IRS or any uh, liability from the plan administrator for you know rolling those funds into something other than this person's 401k plan. And you mentioned earlier, it just in the description of, of how this works, sort of just moving things to one side of the ledger or another, um, assuming that the wife uh, is, is working and has a career of their own at the time of the divorce, uh, would their retirement accounts be sort of brought into the, to the discussion as well and, and at least uh, divided or taken into account for how much of the husband's amount might be transferred over? Um. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, when we're looking at a division of, uh, you know, a couple's retirement accounts, a lot of times what you'll see is, you know, even though, I guess the easiest way to do it is give you an example. So let's say the husband mm-hmm. has about 100000 in a retirement account and the wife only has 50000 And, you know, the judgment for divorce says that each will get 50% of the other's retirement account. So theoretically, Rather than drafting two quadros to do two different transactions, a lot of times what you'll see is you'll just do a transfer from the the bigger retirement mm-hmm. account to offset what the other person would have gotten from the smaller one. Does that does that make sense? Sure, sure. So, so it levels things out regardless of where it came from. Then correct, right? So that, that's a lot of times that's what you'll see. Um, that's typically the easiest way to do it, and it's probably the most cost-effective way of doing it as well. Interesting. Okay, well, um, you know, as usual here, we have run out of time, and I want to say thanks to Emil for joining me today. As always, I appreciate the insight that he's willing to share with us. Uh, for more information on the Family Law Practice Group, you can visit lavellelaw.com. Uh, and for those of you on LinkedIn, you may want to search for the user group Divorce Lounge. Uh, that Emil moderates. Now, next week, Attorney Jennifer Burt joins me as we turn our attention to business law. We'll discuss uh, the reclaiming of assets and goods when payment is in arrears or when other legal decisions call for it. Uh, should be interesting, and look forward to having Jennifer join me. Thanks so much for being here. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.